Hello, you're listening to Underscore, a podcast by the Chicago Graphic Design Club, dedicated to bring you conversations with Chicago's creative leaders. On this podcast, we'll explore the craft, theory, and practice of graphic design, plus discuss bold ideas that push the boundaries of what's possible and ways in which we can create a more thoughtful and inclusive community. To learn more about us, visit our website at www chicagographicdesign.club or find us on social media. Special thanks to the Chicago band 80 Slang for our theme music. Hi, today I'm your host Christian Solorzano and I'll be speaking with Christina Chayati or Chrissy. She is currently in the graduate program at MICA, the Maryland Institute College of Arts, earning a master's in graphic design. Her connection to Chicago is through the work that she's done for the Field Museum and Adler Planetarium. Originally from Indonesia, she came to the United States to study design at Dort University in Iowa. Her passion for design and letter forms began as a child, perfecting her cursive in middle school led to a fascination with calligraphy. At the age of 16, she started a business called Life Within Words, where she designed invitations for birthday parties and weddings. Today, she's a graduate program assistant, teaching intern, and student at MICA, and is actively involved in a local Indonesian typography club called Kali Grafina. And we're delighted to be speaking with her today. So welcome, Chrissy. Uh, thank you so much for 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 doing this interview with us. Hi, Christian. Thank you for having me. And and I want to start off by by congratulating you on your two pieces that were uh, selected for the STA 100. Could you tell us a little bit about those pieces? Yeah. So those two pieces are uh, works that I made at MICA during um, my first my first year. Yeah, my first year at MICA. It was a core class called um, Grad Typography, and the other one was from Publication Design. One piece was about, it's called Biodiagram in the Long Run, and mm-hmm. it's a data visualization of practically mapping my um, journey of running. So Chicago actually got me into running uh, a marathon, and like that's a journey of like how I map out like the first time when I run like 13 minutes an hour, <laughs> just not running technically, but how I get to finishing my first Baltimore marathon last two years, two years ago. And then the second one was a publication of like a small zine about migratory marvels. Um, a little nerdy, like when it comes to scientific facts and things like that. So I play out this um, like little zine of how to, like how bird, why bird does not get lost. Yeah. It's about like bird migration I read yep. and um. Yeah, it's interesting. So yeah, congratulations. Like I think that STA is is considered like one of the yeah, like a pretty well respected competition. So I'm sure you feel very happy to to be selected. So very and, and I saw that Ellen Lupton um shared a post on LinkedIn where she actually mentioned that a lot of MICA students were had their work um yeah, their their work selected. So MICA so must be doing MICA. Yeah, MICA must be doing something right. Awesome. So, um, so I want to ask you a little bit about, um, your upbringing and you're not originally from the United States, but you came here to study. So let's go back in time and tell me a little bit about your introduction to design. So when I was younger, I loved to draw, but I couldn't figure it out. Like if I like to draw or like something else, but what happened is when I was younger, maybe in middle school, we have this class where we have to write cursive. And because I was a principal's daughter, then they they were a little hard on me. Uh, they would make me redo a whole page if I miss like one line or like, you know, one curve is not excellent or not perfect. Mm-hmm. So then after that, I began to develop this love-hate relationship with writing cursive that turns into you know, like love for letter forms you know like mm-hmm. I joined this club later on in life and I feel like yes I don't think I can have like this des- 
ability to draw per se but mm. I love writing letters or like writing like figuring out the anatomy of like what makes a and a or b or b like where's the curve like where's the line and those kind of curiosity gets me into writing letters and also creating hand lettering and also calligraphy when I was a kid I had to learn cursive but only only when I was very young and then I feel like after that cursive just got forgotten about and we just never like my brother, he's 11 years younger than me, and I don't think he was taught cursive. So, uh, like, how do you feel about cursive today? Like, do you still have, like, a love-hate relationship with it, or have you come to terms with with, with your past? <laughs> <laughs> That's my question. But, yeah, I think I love cursive for more than just the, yeah. like, the materials of it, you know? Like, I love cursive because it taught me perseverance and all these other great characters, like, drawing those letters it wasn't like easy for me it was very mm -hmm. challenging but when I got it right there's this deep sense of just accomplishment and just being mm -hmm. able to finish something and it looks beautiful and people you know like give good positive responses towards it so I love writing cursive it's not my main mode of right handwriting mm -hmm. but I like being giving that sense of joy, you know, like in middle school, like I'll write this one name in cursive and everybody starts like, can you write my name? And can you write my name? Yeah. And like that sense of like developing friendships and all that comes with just cursive. I think it was so special for me. And I think it's, it left a very good impression towards the end mm -hmm. uh, that ends up in hand lettering and trying to figure out more types of styles and lettering and stuff like that. Also to calligraphy. Yeah. And do you have a favorite word to write in cursive? Flourish. flourish. I'm known for my flourish. When I draw, it's like zero, like triple or double zero brushes. Nice. At least when I used to do it, uh, that's what I did. Nice. I, I really enjoy writing the word minimum because it's just a lot of like up and downs and it's, and when you get it just right, it just feels so good. Um, so, so when you're 16, uh, I read that you, you founded your own business. Uh, it's called life within words. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah, first of all, my friend started saying like, Hey, I have a sweet seven birthday. Can you, I'll give you a canvas. Please write my name like a little larger. So mm -hmm. then when people come, it can be like a guest. Yeah. Um, board I guess where people can sign and like some write some wishes for them and then I think it just because of word of mouth one friend from another friend and in the little time then some people like you know five or ten people requested me to do those things and my dad I guess the idea comes from my dad like why don't you make a business out of it and like you know you can like uh, develop see if this is something that you like to do professionally and I think it's a direction from my parents and also my sister who helped because I'm not a great, I'm not great at illustration, but my sister would support me in that way. And my mm -hmm. parents would support me in helping me doing the books and accounting and like, you know, the side of things that as designer, we don't really yeah. see or like young designer, I say I wouldn't yeah take care of. So. so it was like a real business with books and everything. It wasn't just... Well, it's like of course <laughs> intro for my parents to teach me about like, you know, this is how you um steward money and all those yeah. things. Like I mean, growing up, it was different from my family. We don't really have uh pocket money or some mm -hmm. sort. I'm not sure how people here um navigate that. But yeah, we don't really have that. My mom always packed me lunch to school. So mm -hmm. receiving money from like hard work, it was just like a different kind of feeling. Yeah. And it was it was I think it was great because it was also um a platform where my parents can like kind of like step up and teach me how yeah. to do all those things so at 16 like what was your like what was your like did you have a process or was it just sort of you just you're given a, like a brief like a project brief and then you work through it or like what was the what was the experience of creating the 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 designs so I usually ask them like well, I guess the cursive is given. Like, I didn't even give the option to like, hey, do you want sans serif or this? Like, I didn't give the option. Like, it's all going to be cursive. And it's mainly for women. So like, um, the style, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't want to like 
generalize that all women are the same thing, but like in that age and that particular moment at that specific place, the style was just the same. And like, I guess if they ask me like certain specific things, it's fine. But I asked them, what's their main color and what do you like best? Or like, what's your favorite? Like kind of like asking what their interest. And from there, me and my sister will collaborate on writing the letters. And then she would like draw some illustrations on it. However it is, we might get work. Yeah. yeah. And and were you aware that you were doing typography? Like, did you recognize like the term graphic design or typography at that moment? So I don't know design or art, typography, those things until probably midway through college. Okay. And it's and it's a little embarrassing because like even in grad school right now, I mean, I have still tons and tons to learn. I learned publication design formally in grad school and not in undergrad so a lot of things were on my own like did some research did some workshops and tutorials and stuff like that to just um educate myself on that so because like um I know a lot of people have some debate around this but I feel like design and art and two are two two big different things and before I came to grad school or after um, my field museum experience it was solidified like what it means like what art means and what graphic design or design means and what draw me to design or make that big switch it's like I guess subtle switch is that it's we're solving problem as a challenge it's not just expressive uh, feelings and that's what I just like about design like I like that prompt like like having a challenge like the creative brief is what gets me going when we start a new project that's great so it's funny that you mentioned that like when you were when you were in school like the girls resonated more with like the cursive because when I was in school here it was the same thing um but the boys they preferred like the black letter and like the old English right. and uh and yeah there was like I, I I was never like a drawer but other kids like they would get commissioned to you know they would write your name like on your binder in like right, right. old English and it was like the coolest thing ever like they would write it on your shoe and stuff yeah um, yeah that's true <laughs> um but yeah that's cool so what did it feel like when so you so you're doing all this design work and then like halfway through through college you you realize that there's an entire field in like industry that's dedicated to exactly what you've already been doing for years um what was that like? Was it a moment of relief to know like, wow, there's there's other people that are also doing this and you can make a living off of it? What was yeah, that like? for sure. So I think I'll, I'll go back a little bit about the transition from Indonesia to America. Uh, when I was young, like I said, I used to like write their names and then like write a little note in the back. And I think this is what I mean shout out to people out there who's a feel who feels they're like a little off or don't really fit in but that's what I usually do I write a little note when a guest speaker comes in I'll write their name little note and say thank you you know and I think that practice um just keeping at it um led to a scholarship actually so when uh the university came to Indonesia some, some universities came to Indonesia for uh, some reach out uh, engagement stuff they um they hosted a dinner and after that dinner like I was just in my own element like you know writing letters and saying thank you notes and they were very caught like they caught like it caught their eyes like oh this is beautiful or some other positive response and they're like hey can you have send me your portfolio and that was a big step for us because I never thought that I would go to America to study mm -hmm. and because of that I feel like develop mm -hmm. or something that's been I've been doing it for a long time and keep doing it and it just leads to that and when I got to Dort it was I'm very honored very fortunate because it was all through scholarship mm -hmm. most of it that's that's beautiful it's 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 amazing how those little moments that you least expect open doors or like you just you go to one place and like you don't know what that's gonna take you to and and uh because I, I I did read that you carry thank you cards with you and <laughs> which which I think is so cool like I, I've been sending some holiday cards this year which I've never done before and it feels good like it's a right. it's, it's like you know I should do this more often 
because it's like timestamp it's like i love that you have handwriting too it's like yeah. no one can replicate that you cannot replicate time you cannot replicate the mm -hmm. person whose writing goes to you yeah it's a beautiful gift so so you so you come to uh from indonesia to to the united states to attend dort university in iowa um what was it about um about dort that that inspired you to 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 go to iowa so very funny because when i applied for my visa and when i had that interview with my school my alma mater about why i went to dort or how i got to dort they're like don't you know it's in iowa it's like you know a bunch of cornfields and cows and leaves and stuff like that and to me i think the idea of being able to do what i do what I'm passionate. I don't know if you're familiar with the Ikigai method. Like do what I'm passionate about and what I can be paid for, which is, if I'm not mistaken, like vocation. Like to me, that's just sets the challenge at a lower significance. So like, yes, there are challenges. There are these things that probably are not ideal, but those things just push me forward and motivate me to go there. Oh, sorry, I think that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, that 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 definitely um so what so could you talk a little bit about your 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 time at Dort and and sort of like what were what were some of the the things that you were learning about and and what was that experience like so when I came to Dort um they they were out of art scholarship or design scholarships per se and coming from Indonesia it was something that our parents cannot afford if we do have to do the whole thing pay the whole thing so my um there's this person, her name, his name is Dr. Curtis Taylor. He's from the engagement office. He worked so hard to position the scholarship on my behalf, which I'm very grateful for. And when I get there, like halfway through Dort, I feel like a little, I, I, get, I keep getting like, you know, all this people, I, I was able to see like, oh, people are actually developing in this field and creating amazing works. And I feel like at that time, wow I'm so behind and like I don't really learn anything because I mean Dort doesn't isn't really known for their design but what I didn't see at that time is that because Dort isn't such a big they don't have a big program for design I was able to work closely with the professor and the director of the design which gives me more exposure and more intentionality to learn the pieces of design that I think helped me succeed like in the field that I'm doing right now with him like I would do assistant which is covered like teaching assistant and like you know sometimes like handle classes teach some students and also doing exhibition work it's just like a broad range of things that I would never ever get if I would go to another university especially a big university and I think it topped when um the school requests me two things one is a Belgian confession that they allowed me to write fully all in cursive and it became one of Dort's per permanent artwork and the second one was a 10 feet long mural of a lettering from Robert Frost for one of their events wow that's amazing so so you have you have you have some you have a connection with Chicago uh you've done work with the Field Museum and the Adler Planetarium um how did that come about so when I so I finished school like three and a half years and then the last semester I was thinking of uh, doing semester abroad and I I thought of Netherlands the first time but I think of oh I want to work in the in the United States afterwards so I chose a more national or like local yeah local or national places and then they pair me up with this program called Chicago Semester where we go up to Chicago for a whole semester kind of like feel like learn like what it means to like live in Chicago live how it feels like experience the city and I got accepted so I went there and the first intern site that I was actually paired with was a local exhibition company and I feel like with me I've always have a set of things that I wanted and it didn't really match with like my values and mission and the things that I wanted to do so I arranged to meet with some other employers or institution that's when I got connected to the field museum I guess they have already had students before teaching there I mean interning there so I interned there 
um, got accepted and I interned there and I really liked the job. The thing is, I don't like museums. Oh, okay. <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. But like doing the work, being involved in a team of people who have like multitude of like skills, you know, like from project managers, developers, people who design the actual physical exhibitions and like my peers, my director, who is no longer there. Um, they're all very incredible, talented people and they always have different and unique things, abilities and ideas that bring to the table. And that's what I love about museum. Like once you see one side as a visitor being basking all it's like amazing collection, but you also get to experience a part of the making and like how these things like come alive. Yeah. So, um, so I'm curious, you, you mentioned you don't like museums. Could you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> sure. So when I was young, I mean, our tra family travel a lot. And every time mm. we travel, my dad would always like, I look at all these museums and you know, let's go here. So mm. to me, it's just like a daily thing. Not daily, yeah. but like a common thing. Like, okay, you go to museums, you walk around. Sure. Yeah. But like, I think I have more um, appreciation towards museum when I see how much of the hard work that's being put into it. Yeah the words everything is very intentional to the to the dot and commas and everything mm -hmm. and that fascination I think led to the overall fascination for museums itself like you know like then I'm, I'm able to trace myself back and transfer like oh these are the history and like the reasons why things were made and how things were made but like when you're just exposed to a museum I feel like the curiosity stops at the things mm -hmm. that you're looking at, but you're not able to look past beyond the things that you're looking at, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I used to, I when I was younger, I used to also like, my school really emphasized uh, museums. And I think because they were emphasized so much, they sort of lost like their magic because it was just, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's a museum. Like we're going to go there, but we're more excited about like going there, like the bus ride there or like everything else, like eating a lunch, not in school, right, you know, right. like those type of things. But that's so true. I remember that myself. <laughs> it's like no, no class today, but I get to go to the museum. Cool. So, so you mentioned values and mission. And I think over the last couple of years, because of the pandemic, um, like not just the design ind industry, but just the world as, as a whole, has really been maybe like reassessing what our values and like what our mission or purpose is in the context of the work that we do. So, so could you expand a little bit about like just your values and mission and, and sort of like how that's evolved throughout your experience in, in design? Yeah. So I, so my faith informs a lot of what I do and if not everything that I do, and from a young age, like I have this routine of whether I do it every day or not, that's a different story. But I have this routine of having a quiet time in the morning. And that's usually like where I draw and like write these letters and journal and all these things. And it carries over, I think. It mashed blood, I guess it meshed together very well with the things that my parents taught me at a young age. Today, I think thinking of values and mission and vision. I think it's something that's very important to myself because I know it's like a more institutional thing to think about those things, but I think of them as a, like a field goal, you know, like you can play as much as you want, as long as you know your boundaries, you can go outside the boundaries, but you know where the boundaries are. So you know the risks that, that you're getting. So like, it's like playing a soccer. Like you can go back and forth and that analogy actually is from my dad like he taught me that and like he's saying like okay it helps you make your decision in the future because like for example like should I take this job or not then I can ask all these questions that are in my parameter and see like it just makes a better flow of making decision making and like those values is what able to carry me today and if I can share one of the I guess um line that I really like my motto or one line that I really really respect and enjoy and just um have a lot of 
I guess, respect. It's, um, it's from Ecclesiastes. I'm not sure if you're familiar. It's called, it says, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience is better than pride. And to me, that's that's always what I strive to be. And that's what I always look to because, you know, and this is analogy again, I want to uh, contribute this to my dad, but it's like a mountain climber. Like a sex, like if I were to ask you right now, like what do you think is a successful mountain climber? Mm -hmm. well, what would I think? say? Um, yeah. I would say someone that uh, is able to be self-aware. Okay. Yeah, I would say self-awareness. And I think that's a great, that, that's, a, that's a very important attribute. But I think what people usually overlook is um, to be a successful mountain climber, like my dad say, is somebody who can come all the way to the top and come back down mm, yeah if you're just on the top and you die there yeah you're not that successful i guess yeah. in one way but like you know overall it's not so what he meant by that is like yes you can be on top of the world and achieve whatever but the end of a matter is better than its beginning which means like you need to finish well yeah. and like to me it's like finishing well it's like even in Micah, my Micah's personal statement, I wrote this that like, um, when I get this MFA, I want to contribute back to my community, mm -hmm. wherever I'm placed. And it's like that journey of like going down, going yeah. down and like, you know, spreading the word, encouraging people. And part of my passion as being an educator, I was like intern is also to mm -hmm. bring this value to people. You know, you share your excitement of going the mountains, you share the journey, the difficulties, the challenge, mm -hmm. the joy and everything. And yeah no that's that, that's really beautiful because i do think that sometimes um you could you could get stuck at the top of the mountain and forget what the bottom looks like mm -hmm. and and it just it, it, it limits your your view of the world and uh and that could be dangerous in my opinion so um so yeah that's that's great you want to live in the day that you can tell people about all the things you see in the top. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, um, and I like that when when hearing you hearing you say this and and explaining through, like hearing you explain your your like philosophy on this is, I I I think of it similar to just having a compass, like having a wayfinding mm -hmm. system that lets you know where you are in time and space. Um, right. and I think yeah, and I think that's important, especially I think in design like a lot of the work that we do and like it's it's at the intersection of just about everything right. so um so it's important to to bring that perspective and i think too that like all these terms and like lingos and the things that i've just shared to you i think it pertains exactly to design because you know making a brand identity you're asking the same questions and then creating direction like yeah it's all the same basically the same outlook it's just like how you answer it can be different but like the infrastructure the framework it's it's in similar yeah. yeah one of one of my favorite graphic designers um her name is Karita Kent and she's a, a she's a catholic nun and um and i think over the past i don't know like i think i've seen her work show up more and more over the past like year or so and um and one of the things that always surprises me is that um like no one I, I feel like the work that she does is is great, but it overshadows her her faith and her the fact that she was a Catholic nun and the fact that her 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 religion and her faith and and all of the work that she did there um fueled a lot of her creative projects mm -hmm. and she had an entire like art department where her entire philosophy of her her entire like way of teaching was rooted in in catholicism and like in christianity and i think sometimes religion um gets gets a bad reputation or or like maybe especially like younger generations like there's an aversion to to engage because of like all the baggage that surrounds it um but i think when you get to like the root of what a lot of religion is trying to say is like it's actually quite beautiful and like quite profound and like applicable to 
just about everything that we do from the work that we do, how we treat each other, you know, yeah, all the little things I and agree. things. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I wish more, I wish, I wish these type of conversations were more, more normal. Like if people yeah. felt more, cause yeah, like I, I don't find myself talking with designers much about faith or, or these type of things. Um, so I'm glad we're doing it now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about, um, now you're you're currently what what are you currently doing? You're at MICA, uh you 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 finish your education at Dort's and what made you wanna go to grad school? There are a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And just to just to put it out there, I think it's also a true honor to be at MICA because ever since I found out my passion about design, mm -hmm. I've always wanted to go to MICA. Yeah, which puts me in like endured, which is what undergrad. Mm -hmm. So when I came, when I had to go home, which is okay, sorry, backtrack. When I was at Field Museum, I wanted mm -hmm. to stay. I have no desire of doing grad school or anything like that. Wasn't in the picture in the first place. So I applied for the job, but I couldn't get it because, mm -hmm. as you know, like museums, they're very. It's a small institution. They don't have that many work mm -hmm. uh, designers. So then I said. I'm not so sure if I'm allowed to share this, but maybe it's fine. Go ahead. Uh, so I said, okay, let me work for you for free for a whole month. If you like me, then you'll bring me on board. Contractor, mm -hmm. freelance, that's okay. Um, yeah. But I really like the work. I want to support your mission. And this is like my way of contributing. Like, you know, just mm -hmm. like saying thank you of the internship that I've had with you. It's one month has no bearing on like either one of us. Yeah. And that gives me also time to wait for my OPT visa to come in. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, OPT application card to come yeah. in. So they said, okay, sure. And then during those one month, I was able to get connected to another department that actually need the designer. Mm -hmm. So then I became contractor for the anthropology department for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then after that, they were able to transition me back to the exhibition and work for them for whole, yeah. for almost a whole year. So I think uh, that journey itself, it's like so intricate and like, which is why I am publicly joyful to share my faith is because like, you know, yeah. in all this like time challenging situation, I don't think I would last if it's just solely grounded on determination. Like yeah. determination is great and like it will take you far, but not yeah. as far as like if you have something solid, like I just yeah. found you. So yeah. that informs a lot of what I do and how I navigate all this situation because like whether we like it or not being somebody who's not from America trying to move here and like doing all this um adjustments it's it's very very tough and it's difficult and it can be tricky so yeah um yeah yeah so right now so so right now you're you're at Micah and I understand that you're you're a teaching assistant is that correct yes um and what 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 are what are sort of like your roles there in addition to to being a student so at MICA we have the opportunity to uh, shadow a teacher or even participate mm -hmm. in teaching mm -hmm. so that every semester I take one or two classes sometimes okay. undergrad sometimes grad school classes to acquaint myself and give myself teaching experience formal teaching experience which I'm also hoping to do after I graduate from MICA, whether it is a formal capacity or not, like education is, is at the heart of what I do. And I yeah. love to share this to other people and other students. So partly my role is to first like shadow the teacher, help them with attendance or help them with building some of the projects or even, you know, like lead the projects itself. Mm -hmm. But another part would also be to give lecture and like, share mm -hmm. on a topic that I feel um, connecting uh, that is relevant to my studies and also to what they're learning. So recently I concluded an internship experience and I mean teaching experience and exhibition design, which mm -hmm. was really great because I was able to not only, it was an like undergrad grad course as a mix. So I was not a only able to like share to them about what I do, 
but I get to work alongside the professor and see like what kind of like the tools and like the things they use these days because I'm not formally educated in that either so Mm -hmm. I have that exposure and the other part is that I am able to work personally with students in a way that professor can just because of the amount of people in the class so we kind of divide and conquer especially when it comes to like one-on-one critique and yeah yeah got it so it sounds like you're doing a lot um and you're really involved how do you how do you how what are you doing to balance everything (laughs) that's a good question I think balance is something we need more these days um yeah I mean I have my own uh things that I love to do I like to try different kind of foods you know like um Mm -hmm. different places on Sundays I have my own worship and like quiet time in the morning Mm -hmm. what I think is most prominent or like the thing that I love the most is running mm-hmm. and that is something I will oh I will owe to Chicago yeah <laughs> because I'm not a runner mm-hmm. and if my high school athletic teacher sees me right now he would not believe where I am <laughs> <laughs> in high school every time it's like PE time I would tell them like I can't run the loop because I'm gonna puke Oh, okay. I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know, how all these things go. But (laughs) yeah, like when I came back to Indonesia, we actually crossed paths and he was like, is that Chrissy running? Like, it was so funny. (laughs) I think that was one of the greatest thing. Yeah, just able to revisit that in a different light. Yeah, I love to run. And when I get Mm -hmm. tired and yeah, at least I run like three, four times a day. I used to be better than that, but. Or Wait, I mean, what was that? You I ran like three to four times, like a week. Sorry, not a day. Oh, I was like a I day. Ran. That's <laughs> no, no, a week, a week. <laughs> I used to do it every day, but no, I don't do it anymore. And I, yeah. I used to run longer too, but I don't now. And I think that's part of being, like you said, being balanced. You know, like mm-hmm. when I was in Indonesia, I had so much time to. I have time to work nine to five that's it leave the work at work and then run as long as I want and we sorry and it's just yeah it's it's great but like now that I'm here I was kind of I have to try to navigate like okay as much as I love running like I need to balance it out and but yeah it's still there and that's what I do yeah and and it's and it's always odd because I think if you really love what you do, like if you really love design and and a lot of the work that you're doing, like it's difficult to take a break from it because there's just so much to consume and it's just very easy to get pulled in so many different directions. Cause it's like, there's new books coming out. There's, you know, like people posting cool stuff and like, you just Mm -hmm. always want to be keeping up with like everything that's going on. Um, Right. And if you don't have that balance, like it'll, it'll just lead you to, you know, burnout or whatever. So, right. um, right. So, so you have to, and I, and I think especially like I've noticed for myself now that I, I I'm like fully remote mm-hmm. is that because there's no, there's not really anyone to hold me accountable for like, it's just me. Like I have to, right. like, there's no one sitting next to me to tell me like, hey, there's this meeting that's happening like mm-hmm. over there. Let's mm-hmm. go, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, I, I feel like it just, it, it, with just everything that's been going on in the world, I think it, we we sort of have this like added responsibility now to not only um, like survive, but to like thrive or to mm-hmm. excel. And I think that, I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting to think about and to, find ways to to define what that means right right yeah, yeah like going back to the ikigai are you familiar with the ikigai? Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yes that, and i think that's like so true you know like you can't just do what you love or you're good at or like you know all this different combination i think those four circles all needs to be tend like tend to you can't just like you know fulfill the other and just neglect the other part because like i mean why do we you even use the word holistic in the first place is because like we want like all parts like to be yeah to to we attend to all those things like one of the things that i like about this things that i re- learned recently is like um what's the word it's like op optim f 
optimal like like in user experience like we learn about this like optimization where like you're not trying to have the best of everything but you're trying to find that sweet spot of like okay maybe this has less maybe this is bigger but like where that meet in the middle and it's not like you know like sometimes when I'm or previously when I think of work I think of like I have to be the best in everything that's just like setting yourself up for failure you know like so having this op- mindset of optimization is a little bit it's pretty life-changing for me like knowing that like you cannot just suppress one aspect to zero but like there needs to be a level where you can maintain yeah it's like I'm sure you experience this when you're running when you like hit that sweet spot and like your pace is perfect right and, like, everything just feels right and if you like make a slight adjustment like everything changes drastically right. <laughs> um so for anyone that's listening and that they're not familiar with ikigai i pulled it up and it's and it's a venn it's like a venn diagram and it's and it's four circles and one of them is what like what you love what the world needs what you can be paid for and what you're good at and then that translates into your passion, your mission, your vocation, and your profession. And then in the middle, that's Ikigai. Um, yeah, there, there was, I, I was at um, a conference earlier this year and, and one of the, there is a photographer, I, I forget her name, but she, she does, um, she, she runs an organization called Sea Legacy that deals with, um, just like animal extinction. And she does a lot of environmental work. And, and her, her photographs, like all the work that she's doing is amazing, but then she tied everything back to like Ikigai and how like that's mm-hmm. through that, through that philosophy, that's how she's able to manifest everything that she's doing. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. That's great. So, so outside of like the work that you're doing or all the things that you're doing, where do you draw inspiration from? Like, what are some of your maybe perhaps favorite designers or just favorite things that inspire you and, and you reference when you're, when you're creating? I think that's a lot, uh, that's like a lot of like big questions into trying to like distill a lot of people into one or like circumstances. But what I can say, like for the past, maybe two, three years, uh, data visualization has been one of my um, core interests. I like that having the challenge of trying to distill like this heavy, complex information, distilling it to something that a five-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-olds can com- comprehend. And I think that challenge was given to me at the museum. And I still love doing that, making sure that like, you know, when we design things, it's not just for our own sake, but like when people, like what we communicate needs to be taken, you know, like they be able to understand exactly what our intention are, the way we, in the way we communicate things. So I think um, a lot of data vis people has been, has been my, um, has been a lot of source of inspiration I love to like every time I go to books I look at the diagrams and how people import that information you know like even in scientific textbooks that's that's where I draw the like that's where I draw my inspiration it's like okay like this layout and like this type of things like fits this way and just like breaking things down that's what already been made and seeing like oh maybe I can do this like how do I do this and like you know a lot of experimentation with like the things that I have and things that I see so I can't say it's like from one single two people, I guess, but it's just like from a lot of like combination of their work and like trying to like, again, like putting my philosophy in it, like how would I approach this? And, you know, how is it different? Like, how's mine working or not working? And how's this one's working or not working? So a lot of like self-discovery. Yeah. And I think it's, it's to your point, I think it's important to, to be able to step away from, from your work and look at it from the lens of a five-year-old or someone that, you know, is not you. Because I, I think sometimes, speaking for myself, sometimes when I'm working with with teams, with with other designers, um, sometimes it's very easy to 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 
start to begin designing for other designers. Like your mm -hmm. sort of your audience becomes yourself and your colleagues. And then when you put it in front of someone that doesn't have like the same, you know, visual language as you, um, yeah, it just falls short. It falls flat, but right. within your bubble, it's like the best thing ever. And it's like, the color is so great and illustrations and it's just like really, really cool. And like, we get it, but then other people are like, yeah, like I don't, I'm confused. So you, you are, you're involved with a organization in Indonesia um, could you talk a little bit about that, Calligraphina? Yeah, so, so I have this, uh, my, my best friend in Indonesia, her name is Natasha Dian. She also also in the same similar field with me. We go to the same high school and we uh, join competition or mural competition, this and that together. And apparently she has the same knack with me, like, you know, like writing calligraphy and all these things. So we, one time we saw this like little ad on Instagram. Somebody had handwritten. It was the most beautiful ad ever because it, it was it was hand drawn. And then it says like, oh, uh, like the typography meetup. I'm like, what's typography? I guess I can like write cursive. That counts. So I I was very interested in it. And I asked my mom, like, we we're like, okay, we'll make it this trip. And then so he she drove me there. It was in Jakarta, which is an hour away from where I live. So when we went there, I still remember the first time going to that coffee shop, being super, super shy, not knowing anything. We ran straight for the bathroom. <laughs> we in the bathroom for like a whole 10 minutes. And we were like, no, you go out there and figure this out. Like, you know, like introducing yourself and this kind of thing. It was the first time experience, like kind of like putting myself out there instead of another students. It was just like a bunch of professionals. It was actually, who actually know what they're doing. So we went out there and they're the most amazing, talented and like kind-hearted people. And I think it was, that's like the transition that I needed, exactly what I needed that I didn't know that allowed me to transition very smoothly to undergrad. Because, you know, in that meetup, we would, some people have black letter background or some people have Victorian script or like all these other things. And we all come together and exchange again exchange names in like different forms and like study forms like the owner or like the founder of the club would also share with us their resources and like we would make workshops out of it like um actually my first workshop that I hosted was with another good friend of mine her name is Rachel Ajem and she's a very big watercolorist illustrator in Indonesia and uh, we hosted our first like watercolor calligraphy like and collaboration with calligraphy workshop mm -hmm. together and all because of that time just being in this like very intimate group being able to share the same passion and like you know teach each other about the things that we know the things that we um, feel in our experience and I feel like through that I was able to gain some insights of what working in the industry like without exactly being in that space mm -hmm. of working professionally at that time kind of like kind of half and half so with teaching with exhibition with the skills itself being a designer I feel like I've got those exposure within this calligraphy group mm -hmm. yeah so so I think community is obviously really important and and that's one of the things that the Chicago Graphic Design Club aims to do is to build a supportive community and 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 uh and just find ways to to meet the needs of people and and to create relationships and all that mm -hmm. so um and i'm always really fascinated with with what people with what people respond to when i ask what it, like what what is the meaning of community mm -hmm. and i and i want to ask you that like what does community mean to you it's a very good question <laughs> i think I like to think community as as a family you get to choose. I know it sounds a little cliche, but it's like, you know, in your family, you don't really choose they, who they are, but like you have this deep sense of belonging and care to each other because of all this experience that bonded you. And I think it's more relative to time or because of the essence of time, like time is a huge part of that, but the closeness and like proximity and all those things. But with community, it's something that you intentionally choose like okay you want to be here and like you 
invest yourself in this people and this people become your like kind of like second family and it's not to say i'm not talking about the community where like you know you live in a neighborhood i mean you could but like the community i'm thinking about it's like these kind of clubs like what you have with chicago design club it's like you know like you open your doors and like have people come in and like you share what you have and allow growth and like you know like sort of like nurture each other and like in that way because like I mean just to give a very quick example it's like when I first found out about your slack group I was ecstatic you know like I finally found here something that's similar to like calligraphy without having this like hassle of like bureaucracy of like you know like oh I have to pay this much or like I'm not saying that's bad but like just like a little step towards like a more friendlier step towards getting into this professional club without maybe like with AIGA it's like I feel like the disconnect that I had was like okay here's here's you go you pay this thing and then you go there which is great but like as somebody who's new and like have no introduction at all that kind of first gate was a little a little rough you know with like all these clubs and community I feel like it's a friendlier approach where like okay this is what the people are and like this is who these people are and you can connect the way you feel like your flow like you want to connect with and like and then from that you can go to the next step and the next step and like those steps are the one that like kind of make that bond of like what you are as a family yeah and I think it it, it just it, it involves like I think a like a collective passion for something Mm-hmm. and it's it's I like I almost think about it as like going to a concert or like going to like any sort of like events and like you're all fans there's no hierarchy like you're mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. you're all equal to me that's 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 what community means I like this like C.S. Lewis quote I just pulled it up is that's what draws people to be friends is that they see the same truth they share it I think it's it's great because I mean like I'm not talking about the generic truth or like my opinion your opinion because like we can mm-hmm. have our opinions but like there is this one truth that's just like bonds people together and that's what connect people like you said like the community mm-hmm. itself because i guess in your community yes you have different opinions but i'm sure you share that same truth mm-hmm. or like that founding thing that you're able to compromise or willing to work towards and sacrifice and push yeah towards that so um i guess to follow up on the on the community question like what do you think is like what do you think our industry the design industry or design communities like what do you think we need more of and how could we enhance or like amplify the way that we that we connect with one another and the way that we build relationships i think i will st- i will keep on discovering this answer again and again even in the future but right now, I think that's that's a very interesting question. I'm sure not even sure how to start. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll, I'll tell you why I'm asking. I'm asking because one of the one of the things that I think about a lot is everything. Things change so rapidly. Like the needs of people, you know, six months ago are very different than today. And like just so we're always trying to like adapt and trying to pivot and and whatnot and and i think it's important to to ask other people like for an answer like i don't think the answer always needs to just come from one person um so that's that's sort of like the the lens through which i'm like you know asking this question is like specifically today yeah just what 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 comes to mind this might be a controversial answer but i think that um, people these days don't see truth as something that's objective and everything is subjective. But I do feel like things like cancel culture, if I may, is sort of obnoxious in a way because the thing is like no one, no one, I mean, nobody is out of the question when it comes to being ever or like having done those the things that qualifies you to be canceled 
no one is free out of that. Like everybody in their time has done something that qualifies them to be canceled. Like what I'm saying is like, what's my, I guess, what's my power as another human being to say that you're like out of this and like, and I understand there are systems and things like that. And I think the system is not always perfect. And there are things that we can uh, always change, but also just, yeah, the subjectivity of truth these days, I think it's very questionable. And I think we need something that's just like, kind of like unify that. I know it's very broad and very hard to digest, but another thing too, is that having, um, yeah, having some sort of like that foundation of their mindset of like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm I'm all over. I think I'm <laughs> gonna butcher this one, but that's like what I can think of. I think like when when you try to say your opinion, even though it is a free country, you're not entitled to your opinion. And I say that even like in the sim in the very low significance of like my faith. You know, like sometimes I do feel that it is not okay if I share my faith, but like for other faith types of faith to share their faith, it is okay. And like, to me, that like little subtle, like even things, it's like, it's it's something that I'm ch- challenged. And uh, I guess if you, we want to just like chuck that whole thing out and like have like a more generic question is, I think we need to allow ourselves to be changed in a way that like times change, culture change, and like, we need to be, we need to adapt. Like you said, like, um, having that self-awareness is very, very important in this kind of change because I think uh, we try to attach our identity into something that's very fleeting mm-hmm. and that's not going to cause like all this like other yeah. ripple effect, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I agree a lot with what you say. And I and and just to to talk about like the whole cancel culture aspect of things is like I don't think I don't think anything could be canceled. Like all you're doing is hiding it somewhere else. You're not, whatever it is that you're trying to cancel, you're not really canceling it by canceling it, quote unquote. So, um, so yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I agree. And, and, and I, I mean, I, I think there, there are some things that perhaps, you know, could be canceled, like when it's harmful. Right. Right. Those type of things. But, but yeah, I don't know. I, that I I think that's a it's an interesting answer, and I and I also um trying to be very careful with what I say because I I agree right. a lot with what you're saying, and I and I also f- fear at times opinions or like my perspective might be misinterpreted and right, right. and uh, so I just like keep my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> but I'm like I have so many thoughts. I can I can feel that. Yeah, but. But yeah, but I agree. I think I think just to go back to like the 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 thing about like faith and and faith is part of your identity and I think today identity has become such a such a like there's been so much focus on identity and and the various you know attributes that someone could identify as and I think faith is is part of an identity and I think it should be talked about just as just as much as other thing, other identities or mm-hmm. norms are talked about. So um, so if anyone wants to find you or if, if anyone wants to reach out to you, every every interaction that I've had with you, <clears throat> every time I've reached out to you, like you're pretty responsive and pretty easy to to get in contact with. So if anyone has any questions about your story, your journey, um, is it possible to reach out to you? Like how could they get in touch with you? Yeah, my Instagram is open. And I'm sure Christian can attest this. If you start with Snoopy, it's gonna end yes <laughs> better. It's, the conversation is gonna go better uh, smoothly. So yeah, start with Snoopy, and we can see where we go go from there. Okay, and I'll include like your um your Instagram and just all your links and the in the notes for this episode. Thank you. But with that said, if anyone is listening to this, uh, what are some like just quick words of wisdom or like, what would you say to someone that is perhaps, you know, getting into design for the first time, considering going to grad school, maybe thinking about coming to the United States or just anyone that might be in a situation that they identify with you as? Um, 
So um, one of the big uh, questions that you need to ask yourself is why? Mm -hmm. And I know this has been brought up a lot in grad school. It's like, why are you making this? Why are you doing that? But it is very important. And it is not about right or wrong. It's not like you need to give a specific answer, but it's something that you can add to the list like as, as you go. But it mm -hmm. keeps you focused and directed. And then when you have that hard time, then you can come back to that list. Like, this is why I want to go for this. And that's why you're not relying on yourself or giving yourself to being too hard on yourself. Like, oh, I need to do this, have everything like set up. But just like by answering that why question, it's going to get you one step closer to what you actually want. And also getting yourself one step closer to knowing what you want. Because like mm -hmm. sometimes we don't know what we want. And like yeah. by asking that why question, you'll get, you'll discover more of yourself and what the more, like more of like what this industry is about. Um, yeah, like tackling that question. And I'd say definitely get involved in your local community. If there's not one, team up with a person, make that ad on Instagram, have mm -hmm. invite people over to a coffee shop. Let's say I'll be here from five to eight. We're just going to meet up and share design, share work. And like, you can start with yourself is nobody want to start it you do it and just stay mm -hmm. there like i'm sure if you're patient and persistence and you will get those people you will find those people who share the same truth you will build your community awesome perfect all right well thank you so much chrissy this was a joy and i hope that you come to chicago soon so we could meet in person um of course thank you